Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Hey, welcome to Amazing Love once again. And changes, they are a happening. And I am hoping that the biggest changes would not be about any carpet, would not be about any sound. But I'm hoping that the biggest changes would happen in the kingdom of God. That as we draw near to him, he would do something in your heart. That as we invite others, he would do something in their hearts. That the kingdom of God would extend through this place called Amazing Love. And I'm excited for what's going to happen in the next couple months. But welcome. And again, happy Mother's Day. It's a good day. You know, in our household, uh, Mother's Day looks a little different, and that's because the mom of the house has celiacs. Now, does anyone know gluten-free or have celiacs or gluten intolerance, anything like that? Okay, a few. So we're in the investigation of what foods we can actually eat and what foods we actually want to eat. And we are discovering that some gluten-free products are tasty and some not so much. And uh, I wanted to set up a quick taste test and was wondering if my volunteers were still willing to come up here and do my taste test. We got a couple that I had picked out. Can you come up forward? Let's give them a round of applause. So uh, Colin and Josh, welcome on stage. That's what you want to do on Mother's Day, be my pastor, right? I got uh, three products for you to taste. We have, this is bread, this is gluten-free bread. This is a wrap, and this is a brownie. So help yourself in whatever order that you want. That's the bread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? That's the wrap. You want, it could use butter, right? 
Absolutely, or something besides what it is. Um, okay, okay. And now the brownie. Right, right. <laughs> Which one is the best? It's a clear winner, right? Let's give them up. Thank you very much. We have learned that if you want gluten-free bread, it's not really bread. You basically say goodbye to bread if you have a gluten-free diet. We have learned that wraps are weird, but as in all things, sweets always win. You know, the chocolate brownies are even good, gluten-free, they're fantastic. There is a standout clear winner. Well, isn't it true that there are clear winners in many categories of life? There are just some standouts. For example, if you had infants and you remember what it took to calm them down, wasn't there like a clear way of doing it? Maybe for them it was a blanket, maybe it was a bubba, maybe it was a binky. Um, I still remember when, when, when Bella was young, and now she's old, uh, but uh, <laughs> she's right here, so this is kind of weird. But when you were really young and nothing else would work, and we would swing you, and we'd take the car ride, what I would do is I'd blare Josh Groban, and I would ballroom dance. And that was the only way that you would calm down, and I'm not a good ballroom dancer, Bella. But it was the clear winner, and there was really no other choice. Nothing else was working, friends. Wasn't it true when we go to fast food companies, there, there's a clear winner between these two, and the clear winner is? It is McDonald's, come on. Um, I remember uh, laundry detergent and products. Uh, my mom gave me one piece of advice, and that is always to buy which one? Yeah, Tide makes them smell fresh. And then if you're a hockey fan, come on, guys, there's only one team. Yeah, yeah, Blackhawks. Sorry, you're, you're overwhelmed. There's, there's a supporter, but... Um, and it's true with people, isn't it? Like, you've dated people, and there was a clear winner. Like, and you might have put a ring on the clear winner. And, and there were companies you worked for, and maybe there are some that you don't work for anymore because they were not the clear winners, right? And, and we just understand that there are standouts in almost every category of life. Well, if that's true in, in every other category with companies, products, and people, do you think it's true spiritually? Do you think that when you compare the options, there would be something that stands out among the bunch? That's what I want to explore with you, okay? And you've come to a spiritual place. This is church, and I can't hide my bias. I follow God, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I follow Jesus. But I know you've been presented with many different options, and, and maybe you're here today. You don't call yourself Christian, and I just want to say you're welcome here. Uh, you're welcome to ask questions. You're welcome to not have it all together. That's all right. But I do know that our society is bombarded with a lot of different spiritual information uh, from Islam to Scientology, uh, from Hinduism to Buddhism, from Judaism to Christianity. And, and I just think that there is something about the God that we follow that sticks out. There's something about him that makes him so different that it's not so easy to lump them all the same and to say, well, every path must lead in the same direction. There's something that I think is pretty remarkable about this God that I want to talk to you about over the next coming weeks, if that's okay, in the series, The God I Wish You Knew. So let's get into it. And um, what we have today as we get into our lesson, we're going to turn to the book of 1 Kings. Uh, we have Elijah setting up not a gluten-free test, but he sets up a test of sacrifice. Here's the scenario. Uh, there are the prophets of Baal, that was the God of that age, and there was Yahweh, the, the God of Israel, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The scenario was they were going to make these altars, set them up. They were going to cut up a sacrifice, a bull, and then they were going to ask for the, the, the true God to answer by fire. 
And whoever answered by fire would, would prove that he is the standout, that he is the clear winner among the choices. So let's read. Let's read. And it's kind of a long section, so I'll, I'll try not to lose you, but, but, but stick with me. You can follow in your worship folder or on the screen, whatever works for you. It says, Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, what you say is good. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given to them, and they prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. There was no response, no one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. <laughs> Maybe he is sleeping and he must be awakened. Um, I grew up watching the Bulls play Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller's a commentator now, but he was one of the fiercest trash talkers. I mean, I, I still can't handle him commentating because he just was always kind of mean. Well, before he ever trash talked, there was Elijah taunting him, pulling out the Reggie Miller. So he's making fun of him. Shout louder! And, the, and, and, and so uh, 28, they, they shouted louder, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. But look at this. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of evening, but there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. But then Elijah said to the people, Come, here it's me. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. But God had called him and picked him out of the nation by name. With the stones he built on the altar in the name of the Lord, he dug a trench around it, enough to hold two seahs of seed. I don't know how much that is, but it sounds like a lot. Uh, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Now why you would do that is, is maybe you've had a fire pit, one of those portable ones, and whenever you have that, that and it fills up with water, it's, it's really hard to start a campfire, isn't it? Or when you have lumber that you were going to burn and it just got rained on, it's kind of hard to start a fire. Well, Elijah is proving to God that this, this, this hiccup is nothing for, for, for God. So pour, pour water on it. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you are Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell. Look all that it burns up. It burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood. It burned up the stones. It burned up the soil. It looked, licked the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord is God. The Lord he is God. It's an incredible lesson. And there's something about this God that I wish you knew that we get to explore and discover today. May God just bless this discussion. Have you ever heard the phrase, It's not what you've done, but what you've done for me lately? 
not what you've done. Maybe you have a company that acts that way. It's not what you've done two years ago, two months ago, or two minutes ago. It's what you've done for me lately. Uh, maybe you're in a relationship with someone who uh, doesn't care again how nice you were in years past, but now is wondering, what are you going to do for me to continue that relationship, right? Kevin Durant, I found a quote from him who said this, and, and truly the sports athletes have a lot of pressure. He says, we live in a world of what you have done for me lately. We don't remember the day before sometimes. Think back five, six years ago, what he was doing. It's unheard of. I consider this as I was reading the Chicago Tribune, and uh, they came out with like the top ten reasons to like basically give up on the Cubs season. You know, top ten reasons why we can call it a day. And I'm like, it was just last year, it was just weeks ago that they were number one. Come on! But it's what have you done for me lately. If you can relate to this, this is the separation from the God we follow in every other religion. See, I believe that in every other religion, it is about what have you done for me lately. That there is always something you need to do and requirements you need to fulfill in order to be right, in order to have peace. And we see this with the prophets of Baal. Look at what the prophets of Baal were doing in order to get attention. Um, verse 28, it says, So they shouted louder, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. It was customary in the following of Baal that Baal demanded so many things. He demanded a, a lot of bad things like temple prostitution, but here even their own blood that would be flowing, and they had to provide the sacrifice. And in that system, the sacrifice demanded was the sacrifice that they had to provide. But then you look at Elijah's God. And yes, Elijah brought sacrifice. And sacrifice was common in the Old Testament. You had, you had bulls, you had doves, you had goats, you had sin offerings and wave offerings and grain offerings. And one of the things that we learned through all of that is that because of sin, sin needs payment. Sin needs sacrifice. But the reality is... That this God, Yahweh, and the God we've come to worship is really not sufficed by any of those sacrifices, is not sufficed by our blood. It is not something that we have to do. In fact, this is what the, the first thing I want to tell you, that the God I wish you knew, the sacrifice demanded, is a sacrifice that He fulfills. See, it is not about what you have done lately. It's about what He has done for you lately and done for you once for all. See, the, the New Testament explains all of this and why there was sacrifice. It was all just a big foreshadowing. In the book of Hebrews, look at what it says about sacrifice. It says, first he said, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. But then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. And this is Jesus. And he sets aside the, the, the sacrifice system to establish the second. And, that by, and, and by that will, we have been made holy. And how? Not through our sacrifice. Not something demanded of us. But the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. As you've come to worship this day, we have an altar. But you may know, I don't offer my blood here. You may know, I didn't ask you for bulls or goats or doves. Because we just put a cross on it. And one of the renovations we're looking at is getting an altar that says right here, once for all. Once for all. Once for you. For all of your sins. For all time. 
Because God says to you again, it is not about what you have to do. It is about what I have done for you. And this God is so good. He's so good. He's a giver, friends. And giving in a degree that we can't possibly imagine. In fact, that's what I want to talk about next. That the God I wish you knew gives way more than he ever demands. You see, some people, they're hung up on coming to church or following God because they think they're going to have to lose something. You know, if I went to church, if I followed your God, it would be no more fun. It would be no more of my will. It would be no more of my way. I'm going to lose so much if I ever come to this God. But the opposite is true. See, this God... He gives way more than, than he demands. In fact, it kind of reminds me of a trip to Target. Um, has anyone ever gone to Target and you had in mind one thing to buy and you came out with a whole cart full? You know what I'm saying? All I'm going is for shampoo. But then I go for shampoo and I find the clearance section. It's got a red tag on it and I didn't know I wanted probiotics. But now that they're on sale, let's give probiotics uh, a try. You know, kombucha sounds good. Don't know what it is. But it's on sale, friends. So let's try some of that, right? And then it's Mother's Day and I forgot about the card. But thank you, Target. You got this whole aisle that tells me it's Mother's Day. And I don't have a chance for a gift. So there's a gift card right there. Oh, but I just came from the gym and I need some protein bars. And before you know it, you came in for one item and you leave with so much more. Friends, I'm here to tell you, I can jump down here, the God you've come to worship. You might come today just to be reminded of your forgiveness. He gives you more. You might come today because you need a job, because you need some help financially. You might come because you need something in your health, but He's going to give you peace besides. And He's going to give you companionship besides, because He never leaves or forsakes. And He's going to give you friendship besides, and provision besides. Whatever he, you come with, He's going to give you so much more and then some. This is the God we follow. And this is the reason He stands out. But there's more about this standout God. In fact, we got to see what Elijah was doing and how he was reminding his people. When it was Elijah's turn, look what he does. He's building the, the, the altar, and how many stones does he use? Does anyone remember? Twelve stones. And he had a reason for it. I believe as he was taking these stones that represented the tribes, he's just reminding, remember when we were in Egypt? And God called us out. And God performed these miraculous miracles in order to prove that we were going to be protected by him, that we were his people. Remember when we had an allotment for each tribe? When we went to the land of Cana and he fought for us? And it wasn't even about the strength of our sword, but it was about the strength of his arm. Remember that? Remember the period of the judges where every time we cried out for help and he answered the call through one judge or another and he saved us once again? Do you remember? What he was doing, I believe, is he was reminding them of the Lord's faithfulness and reminding them of how every time they needed something, he answered the call. This is what I wish you knew about God, that he's reliable in times of need. He's reliable in times of need. I was scratching my head to think about how, how God is reliable and what products were reliable. And you know what I thought was really reliable growing up? My microwave. Anyone have one of those dial-up babies? There is something about the way they built appliances back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? We only had one microwave because you could do anything with that microwave. You could put the wrong stuff in there. You could bang the door. That thing was built like a tank. It was reliable. You need something new, it'll nuke it, baby, right? 
Appliances in general. I don't remember having more, one, more than one washer and dryer. I don't know about you. We only had one TV that also had a dial. Maybe there was something to that. Maybe we need to go back to that. I don't know. But all of those things you, you could count on, right? Well, I'm here to tell you the God you follow, he is more reliable than a 70s microwave. When you need something, he works. And maybe, just maybe, there's people who've walked with God long enough where you've had a financial need and you didn't know how it was going to work and you didn't know how it was going to happen, but he showed up. Where you didn't have an answer, he did. Maybe there was a time where you needed him uh, to provide companionship, where you felt so alone and you didn't know how to deal. And he gave you someone. He led you in a path or he strengthened your heart. I remember this one time, uh, we were moving from El Paso, Texas to Beaverdam, Wisconsin. I was, I was a grade schooler. And I remember leaving El Paso, Texas. I was in the back of our station wagon, and you could look backwards in that day. And I remember looking backwards on our home, you know, in the station wagon. It was a seatbelt, but anyway. Um, and I remember thinking, I could have lived my whole life there. I'm saying goodbye to so much. My friends were there. My school was there. My, my whole life moved to this weird place called Wisconsin. Anything good from Wisconsin? And uh, I get to the school, and I'm like, well, I don't have any friends. And, and on that day, I'm introduced. The teacher dragged me, and, and he sh- she showed me this, this new person called Dustin. And I'm like, you have a good name. That's my name. That was my first best friend. On a day when I didn't know how I was going to sort out in Wisconsin. The teacher provided Dustin, a new best friend, and it's kind of God's reminder, you know what, son, it's going to be all right. I'm in Wisconsin, too. Hard to imagine, I know. I know you have your own story. I know you do. I know you've been walking with God long enough, even if it's just for two weeks, that you needed something, and he answered the bell. Maybe not at the exact time that you needed him, but he answered in his timing, in his way, and he proved he was good. That is what he does in this lesson, right? Elijah's going to call out to God, and I'm going to rely on you, and you better show yourself because everyone's watching. And what happens? It says, fire of the Lord fell, and it burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones. I was doing some research on my friend Google, and I found that to to burn stones, like they start melting at over 1,000 degrees. Over a thousand, they start melting. And and so what is it to like actually consume this stone? It's incredible. And all the while, this fire was just telling Elijah, you call on me, I answer. You need something from me, I'll be there. And he's reminding us again that he is faithful, that he is good. We can count on him. Call on me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you will honor me says the standout God. But there's one thing most phenomenal about God, and, and maybe the, the, the big thing that I want to dig in and consider with you. And to set this story up, I need to tell you about a New Testament story uh, of the prodigal son. Now, how many have ever heard of the prodigal? Prodigal, okay, so quite a few. So you know how the story goes, right? Uh, but, but I want to focus in on, on one section. I heard uh, Andy Stanley really dig in on this section, and I need to dig in on it in the same way that he did just because it was so phenomenal. So let's revisit it. So the son goes to the father and says, give me my inheritance. 
and he was basically going home and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead and I could have your money. Now, don't say that to mom on Mother's Day. That wouldn't be very nice. Um, but that's what he was doing. Uh, he was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead because I just want your money. Well, the dad acquiesces. Here it is. Here's half. And what does he do? He goes to Vegas. And he gambles. And he's involved in prostitution. And he lives a party lifestyle. And he blows it all. Until it gets so bad for him that he's working on a pig farm. And he's so hungry that he wants what the pigs are eating. Now, I've been by pigs. I don't want to touch anything in their stalls, much less eat from them. But that's how bad it was. So he gets in his mind, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just uh, apologize to dad. I'm going to say, you don't have to take me as son. Just take me as slave. That's all I want. So he goes back. And this is what you need to see. The father was out on the porch. Maybe it was a day like today. Just enjoy maybe some sweet tea. I don't know. And he sees his son. And as he sees his son, he's filled with an emotion. Look at this passage. It says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with... And as Jesus was telling the story, the crowd probably thought, well, he was filled with disappointment. Because everyone knew in that society, you don't dishonor the dad that way. And this son had just made their whole family a laughing stock. The father probably should be filled with disappointment. Or maybe it's anger. After all, this son, he should have known better. He was raised better than that. Uh, better expectations. So, so maybe this father was filled with anger. How could you? And the gall to come back. Maybe it was frustration. There's so many amends you need to make. There's so many lessons you need to learn. But what was the father filled with? The father was filled with compassion. And that's incredible. That the father would still have open arms for someone who should have known better. For someone who did something despicable. For someone who's just coming back home. This is the God I wish you knew. He shows compassion for lost people. And friends, that's the opportunity of this church called Amazing Love. See, at Amazing Love, do you know we're the visible arms of the Father? We're the visible arms of the Father. And what we fill in this blank is hugely important. You know, when, when people come here, we could fill it in with judgment, couldn't we? When we saw that person who should have known better and looks that way and has been so far off, we're going to be filled with judgment, aren't we? Because after all, we've been here, kind of like the older brother. Or we could be filled with, with anger. After all, maybe it's something that they did against us, and so that person comes, and how dare you come to this same church, and I can't believe, and what do you think you're doing? But no, friends, we have the opportunity to have a church that is the visible arms of compassion that says no matter how long you've been away, welcome to this family. No matter what you have done, do you know the Father's heart for you? No matter who you are, you are loved by Jesus. Because the reality is we were all lost at one point, weren't we? God should have given up on me a long time ago. I have no more right to be here than the prodigal. And yet when I was lost, he showed compassion. This is the story. And that's what he was doing in the lesson. See, what you need to know about this time is that the whole nation was running away from the Lord. 
And they were following Baal to the point that Elijah thought he was the only one. And so the reason that, that this display is going on, the reason there is this duel, is so that Jesus, God, the one true God, can win and woo those people. And when they saw that fire, they were one once more. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Isn't that the heartbeat for us too? That when we know Jesus who died our death, we also say, the Lord, he is God. So he's a standout because of his compassion, because of his reliability, because of all that he gives. But what are we to do with this message? And how are you to walk away? I believe that things that stand out you should stick with. And Elijah, before this lesson, he gave us our directions. He said this. He said, so how long will you waver between two options? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The the solution for today, and as we walk out today, here are the marching orders from God, I believe, which is don't waver. See, if you really want to explore all the other options, then sell out to them and see what you find. Sell out to the God of pleasure. Give it your all. Put it first. But will the God of pleasure answer you when you're in the hospital? Is the God of pleasure able to hear your prayers? Is the God of pleasure able to fulfill and to heal you completely the way the Lord is? Or what about the God of career? Elijah would say, if the God of career is truly the number one God, sell out to it. Put it number one. Put it before everything. But will the God of career bind up broken relationships? Will the God of career help you to be a good father or husband or mother or spouse? Or what about this? What about the God of family? And that's a tricky God. Sometimes we don't even know we're making it a God until it's in front of God's place. Elijah would say, sell out to it then. Make your spouse your God. Make your children your God. What I've experienced and what I believe is as good as people are, they are not perfect. So they will fail you at one point or another. What I'd love to repent together, repent collectively for, is all the times we've taken good things and put them in the place of God. Because there's only one standout. He's the God that sent fire from heaven on that day and sent his son from heaven on a different day. The God, again, who would provide our sacrifice. And what this God is like and what unwavering love would be like, it kind of reminds me of a mother's love. A mother's love is pretty unwavering, isn't it? We have even phrases for it. This is not a good one, but it sticks in my mind. He's got a face that only a mother would love. That's not a good thing to say to your neighbor. But what it's proving is that mom will love it because it's my child. I consider the mom radar. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't know what the mom radar was until we had children. It's this idea that wherever the kids are, mom feels it, right? What are the kids doing? Where are they? Are they safe? Are they clean, right? It's really high during infancy. I don't know if it changes. Was a mother's love is unwavering. What if that was said with us? What if when people interacted with us, it was just known, man, they're always about Jesus. It seems like they're seeing him and they're seeking him in all things. Like, they're about Jesus not only on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're about Jesus on, like, Friday nights, which is crazy. They're about Jesus in this company that has a completely different culture. What if it was said about us? 
Man, that would be awesome. Don't waver, friends. Because when we find something that stands out, we should stick with it. It reminds me, this will not be the last time I have gluten-free brownies. We have found something good. We're going to stick with it. I hope you can say the same about God. That he's remarkable. And that you're going to stick with. Now let me pray for you as we wrap up. Dear Jesus, you have stood out as the one to pay what was demanded. You have pursued me once again, and you have me. Empower me, I pray, by your Spirit to now pursue you, to put you in all things and at all times. Keep me from wavering so that the world may know and I may continue to see how great you are. Now give me the wisdom to know what to do with this message and the strength to do it. Amen.